So hello and welcome to episode 20 of Salatcast for this season with myself, Glyn Price, and I'm joined by Ollie Warner in uh, this pre-Christmas spirit. Ollie, how are you, mate? Yep, very good, thank you, mate. Put my tree up today. Good stuff. We've just been doing that now, and uh, yeah, I've just had a guest come in, and he's seen how much of a mess my house is from sorting out all the Christmas stuff, but we're joined uh, with a new guest, Ollie, Paul Coyne. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thanks very much for having me on. Good man. And we always start with new guests, Ollie, don't we, by asking them... Uh, a bit about your history sports you've done. So, yeah, when did you start going and following town? How did you get involved? Well, my, my first game would have been probably the 96-97 the season. It's certainly under Fred Davis. Okay. But I can't actually remember which one it was. <laughs> so um, I was I was sort of sporadic um, attending games at the Meadow up until about 2001. And then on what was my 13th birthday, which would be September 2001... Um, we um, we played Rochdale at home, okay. And Luke Rogers scored a goal towards the end of the game to put us top of the league. Uh, yes. And I thought, oh, this is uh, this Solid. is a bit of all right. I'll <laughs> I'll have some more of this. And to to be fair, I've I probably missed less than ten home games since then. Yeah, uh, and I know I've, I've met Paul Ollie. I should just say through the Sheaf Down Away Sports this season, where obviously I've been talking about bringing it back, but Paul's been a, a massive help in bring, in terms of bringing it back, in terms of helping get stuff with kits sorted, <laughs> and, and you run a Sunday League team, you know, which is brilliant. So, and I knew that Paul's the sort of guy that doesn't miss many games. And when I thought we need a guest tomorrow, Ollie, as someone who hasn't missed the game, I thought Paul will be the man to ask. But in in that time, then you haven't missed many games. You say what? What's your? What, let's talk about favourite player then in that time period. Um, favourite player, probably the the guy that I just mentioned there, okay. Luke Rogers, I think, because he was he was the one that started it all off. Yeah, uh, for me, and I just thought he was he was excellent, and how he didn't have a more a longer career at a, mm. a higher level, I thought was uh, was was surprising. Yep. Um, a favourite game then? Favourite game? Well, f- it's it's actually hard to to put to to actually say which one's the the favourite because for me the most important game was without doubt the uh, the playoff final at Stoke. Yep. The older shot game for me the most important game in the club's history. Mm-hmm. But in terms of favourite game, again, Everton would be up there, bury away in the playoffs. The the Dagnum game, yes, when, uh, Holt, when we got Humphreys. promotion under under no the um, the oh the winning game, the one at home. when yes, we got promoted sorry. under okay. Graham Turner, just the the culmination to my favourite season, twenty eleven twelve. But um, I think in terms of favourite game for the overall experience was Milton Keynes away yes. in two thousand and seven. Andy Cook's two goals, just you know because. No one, no one outside the club gave us a chance, did no, they? No. You know, Sky had written us off. They were there to see Milton Keynes get through to the first, <laughs> the first final. Given the, the fact it was the first game at the new Wembley, and Milton Keynes was so arrogant as well. They, you know, they'd already booked the coaches yes. for Wembley and all yeah. of that. And uh, oh, it was a great night. Yeah, and also the uh, the Hey Jude at half time. So yeah, so we're talking to a man tonight that's that's seen his fair share of Shrewsbury Town, Ollie, which is good. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, it'd be interesting <laughs> to get his thoughts on on the um, the game on Saturday. Cool, and we, we'll go into the Oxford game now. We're not going to cover the, the uh, leasing.com trophy game as usual, no. just to say we're out. <laughs> there we go. I totally forgot it. about that, actually, to be honest. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> didn't, even think, didn't even think about it. Well, you know what I think about it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. And, uh, yeah, let's let's dig into what was, uh, I don't know, a, a game of some variety at Oxford. <laughs> it was a nerve-wracking finale for the visiting fans as Luke Rogers volleyed this one home. So yeah, a, a game at Oxford United this week, which ended uh, classic Shrewsbury Town of, of this season, nil nil. Ollie, so no goals to update anybody on there. But yeah, played in front of uh, six thousand nine hundred thirty-one fans, of which uh, yeah three hundred eighty-three were Shrewsbury Town fans. So yeah, you, you've got an interesting stat to, to bring us into this game, Ollie. Yeah, so um, Oxford are on a good run. Um, they're undefeated now, actually, after this game in eighteen. Um, and that's un- um, in terms of league games, so they're undefeated in 11. Wow. Um, but quite interesting as well, they hadn't had a home game um, since October, <laughs> uh, which is quite odd as well. So obviously they were quite looking forward to this one. Maybe that maybe that kind of explains some of their 
anguish and frustration <laughs> as the game went on. Um, I thought it was quite funny the the, the Oxford crowd throughout this game. Um, so yeah, so in terms of the team, um, we lined up a bit differently, didn't we? Obviously, mean me and Paul can kind of explain it, Glenn. But, yeah. Um, yeah. What 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 what, what lineup did we have here? Yeah, you can run through what you thought of the team on the day. But yeah, so Max Lurie was uh, kept his place in goal, and then the back three were Williams. Ebanks, Landell and Pierre and Love and Goldborn kept their places as the wing-backs. And then the midfield was Norburn, Laurent and Goss with Okinabiri and Edwards. Uh, we've got Edwards playing up front, but I think you guys are going to explain to me that it was a slightly different tweak on our tactic, Ollie. Yeah, so um, it's interesting actually. Surprisingly, it might surprise quite a few fans that Norburn was the, the player that was sitting a bit more. And you had Laurent to the right of him a bit more advanced and Goss to the left a bit more advanced. Kind of makes sense of Goss's left foot. Um it's interestingly, so um, on the on the commentary, often um, they were saying that Edwards was playing behind Okunabiri. Mm-hmm. He kind of was sometimes, but also uh, sometimes he was also parallel with him, um, up there with him as well. But okay. in defensive, in defensively, he was dropping back. So when we're defending, it was a bit of a a kind of I don't know, yeah, a bank of five, and then three central midfielders, and almost making a bit of a diamond at times sometimes. And with Okinibiri at front, but I think it's fair to say, Paul, it was quite a defensive setup. We were Absolutely. also defending yeah. very deep. Yeah, yeah, we certainly were. <laughs> um, and I completely agree with, with what you're saying about how sometimes it became the, the diamond in the midfield, certainly with Norburn sitting deeper, um, Laurent and, uh, and Goss in the middle, then Dave sort of um, going in between being the, the number 10 and the second striker up there with Faye. Yeah, and we we please see Goss back in the team because he's not played for a few weeks, has he? So he's he's obviously been trying to yeah, get his place good, back. Yeah, good to see he's recovered from his uh, his injury because I do think he he adds a lot to the side. Yeah, okay, we'll find out how about he played. Anyway, we should just sort of run through things really because obviously there's a mixture of, of how we sort. Of, well, I should just state state now I did not watch this game and all I've watched is the incredibly short highlights on the Shrewsbury YouTube channel, which lasts less than two minutes. Which I think as as you go through this game will probably be quite apparent why. But um, yeah, so I, I've only watched the highlights back. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys have got to say about it. So I'll, I'll kind of. Play Play presenter here, Ollie, and I'll, I'll throw a few questions out. You go through it, but um, yeah, well, I don't know. Let's start with Paul. Really, what did you make of that open spell? Really, in terms of how the game started? Well, the, the first fifteen minutes, we were um, we were by far the better side. We were on top for that for that first fifteen, and we mm. we did. To be honest, we we deserved a goal in that time. We were we were so so dominant. Yeah. Um. In a way, it was a shame that uh, that after that it, it became a bit more of a defensive performance. But uh, <laughs> but certainly the. The first fifteen, maybe first fifteen twenty, we were we were on top. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, you would agree with that, Ollie? Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. It only took us um, kind of three minutes um, for us to get the ball in the box. Um, Ebank sprayed the ball out to Love. Um, he kind of drove forward, um, crossed the ball into the box, and Edwards had a half volley, um, but it got blocked. Um, and then a few minutes later, again Love on the action, um, Love to Edwards, and the ball gets in, but it's cleared. A meter from the goal um, goal line, so you know it was one of those you know really got the ball in the dangerous area. It was a corner, then a second corner, and then Pierre had the ball cleared off the line from a Norburn corner. Um, mm. And yeah, so yeah, first kind of um, seven minutes, we'd already got you know the ball into some quite dangerous areas, and you know it was probably one of the best first 15 minutes to a game we've had so far this season so was it was it then you know ask, ask Paul again here was it the case of we were just playing really well and it, it really just forced them back they didn't impose their game on us at all no not not in that spell in yeah. uh, in my opinion we were we were really taking the game to them at that point yeah, fair play fair play yeah oh good stuff so yeah was it a case Ollie of thinking the goal was going to come then <laughs> Um, I think I think um, Ricketts, when he looks back, will probably rue those missed chances because, mm. yeah, as, as as Paul said in the first fifteen, and we had some good chances. So, 
We had um, 12 minutes in, um, it was a cross from Goldbourne and headed towards goal by Edwards. Um, and then we had um, Norburn taken out by a defense, central defender, a free kick, a really nice routine, and Edward gets in and has a shot, and it's saved by the keeper. Um, so in the first 15 minutes, you know, that's 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 four really good attacks on goal. Um, unfortunately, that was it <laughs> in terms of attacking threat. We had a few other moments in the rest of the game. But um, yeah, it, it was a really, really encouraging start to the game. And just, again, it's just a big trend this season. And I'm sure it'd be interesting to get your opinion on this, Paul. We just don't take our chances, do we? No, I was just thinking then when uh, when you were talking, Ollie, that it was it was a bit of a missed opportunity not to go ahead in the first 15, 20, because the one thing we do know about this year's side is that uh, well, I say one thing we know. Most of the time when this side goes ahead, it uh, it can hold on to a yeah, lead. I mean, yeah. we're so solid defensively. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? And, and we've been saying this the last few weeks, haven't we? And, and let's say Paul's right. The performances have shown that yeah, give give town something to hold on to, and they can. And I mean, I guess you know, in the in the context of it, as we go through the game, once you've got that point, I suppose there was a. a I suppose it's more for the second half, really. But maybe holding on for a point there once the game had changed, it, town would probably see that as a good result. But we'll get to that in the second half, Ollie. I suppose in terms of how the mentality changed, but. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked very positively about their first 15 minutes, haven't you? But did the, did the game really change as the second half wore on? Did they get back into it more? Yeah, I think so. I think um, we were sitting quite deep, then that made attacking a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then I'd say, yeah, there was a, a few decent balls with Goss getting the ball. Um, but I would say after about 25 minutes, Oxford started to dominate possession. Um, they didn't, I wouldn't say they did a lot with the ball, um, but they, yeah, they started to dominate possession a bit more and... Yeah, they seem to kind of take a handle of the game. I think it's fair to say, and yeah, just to get your view on this, Paul, they're were, they were a good passing side. Oxford, probably one of the best in the division. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. They do keep the ball well, yeah. But what, so this is the thing I'm struggling with, is that Oxford are having this fantastic season. And, you know, this game's you know ended up being a game where we've been sort of on top of them and then, you know, not uh, not getting the goal. But then they've never they've not really dominated the rest of the game as far as I can make out. You know, it's... I couldn't get my head around it because a lot of people were saying to me, Ollie, before the start of the game, that they were quite injury depleted. Yeah, that's what that's what was I heard. That's what was being said on Twitter that there was the they were quite injury injury deprived. But then when I asked um, the guy who does um, the D three D four podcast, James, he he seemed quite surprised by that. Um, yeah, they had a mm, couple of players okay. out, but um, it wasn't like an injury crisis. They had the three big players play, didn't they? Uh, Henry. Uh, Fosu and uh, Matty Taylor all played for them, yeah. so they, they weren't missing any of the, the big three. And they've got one of the best squads in the division, um, and they've invested you know, quite heavily and, and recruited over the last few years. So, yeah, maybe it was just, yeah, I think it came from the Not Top 20 um, podcast, okay. where Mark got the, the that from. But, yeah, maybe they, I don't know, I think maybe they over-egged how weak they were. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously not weak enough, you know, for us to get the full-on result. But um, there we go. But yeah, it, I mean, got to thirty minutes. I'm looking at the agenda, Ollie, and there was there was a, a sort of scare there on thirty minutes, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, so um, it was like kind of a cross into the box, and Williams tried to clear it, and then it kind of hit the player, and then um, O'Leary um, caught the ball, um, and that was probably their best opportunity, <laughs> as, as poor as it was Crikey. in the first half. Um, but then I think as the half kind of went on, the, the chances dried up. Um, and we were just sitting too deep and we really struggled to kind of have an outball after that. Um, but yeah, an interesting one. So when I was listening back, watching the game back, watched the full game back, as we said, um, the atmosphere there was absolutely non-existent. You heard the Shooter Town fans a, f- a few times, but the Oxford fans were terrible. Did you hear hear them at all? No. 
<laughs> I mean, what did you make of that, Paul? Because obviously they're having this great season. You, you, if we were doing as well as they were this season, I expect the meadow would be pretty pretty lively, wouldn't it? You'd think so, wouldn't you? But um, I think Oxford's stadium's got a lot to do yeah, with that. Trouble, that, it, yeah. um, that one open end, I don't think there's much for the atmosphere for the home teams or the or the away teams. I mean, you know, it's the the three sides of the stadium. It, it's it's actually quite a nice stadium, but it's mm. so. Um, you know the fact that that end is open. It um, it takes away so much from from the atmosphere. Talking atmosphere, what was it like in the middle of the town fans end on Saturday? It was um, it it wasn't the loudest away day by <laughs> by any means. I think the the highlight from the uh, from the singing fans was uh, the twelve days of Grandison, yes. which usually comes out around this time of year. Yeah, I was. So, I should just say, Ollie, on Saturday I was not far away from Oxford. I was up um, near Banbury somewhere visiting oh, visiting friends. We went for a day out, and um, I, I knew as soon as the, the Grandison chant had started because about six or seven different people tweeted at me, "It's happening! It's <laughs> happening!" Because everyone knows I love Grandison. So yeah, I, I, that's about the only thing I knew was happening in the first half is that they were they were chanting the Grandison song. So it's all good as long as we respect our, our icons, eh, Ollie? You've probably got the wrong person on, by the way, to talk about Grandison. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm probably more in Ollie's camp on, uh, on oh, that particular player. What's your player. opinion on, on, on Jeremy Grandison? <laughs> um, he wouldn't make my team of the decade. Get out my house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Well, well, we'll be debating that down the line soon. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, won't we? But, um, oh, well, there we go. Let's get, let's get back on topic. I'm, I'm, I'm devastated by this. That's the end of a beautiful friendship, that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go on, Ollie. So, um, yeah, so there was an interesting, um, interesting moment... At the end of the, uh, near the end of the half, and um, where basically in so it's in our right back area, and um, Love has the ball, he goes to clear the ball, um, and then um, a Oxford player comes flying in, um, Ford, and he gets ends up getting hurt. It's a town free kick, um, but it's almost like Love. I don't know if it was his knee or his leg or his boot or what um, caught Ford, um, okay. and there was a, an article um, out today in, in a national newspaper that said that he's broken his ribs. Why? Um, so yeah, that was a, a, an odd one, um, but um, yeah, unfortunately he had to go off injured. Um, but yeah, hopefully he'll be fine because yeah, you don't want to hear that about any kind of player. But um, yeah, no, it- absolutely not. But was was that um, was that the one? Did the boy? Dive in on Donald Love. Yeah, um, yeah, he dove himself, dive so. in on Donald Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so maybe he's got himself to blame there. Yeah, yeah. well, I think he has. Unfortunately, um, yeah, I think he has. Um, it's one of those, um, one of those, one of those unfortunate incidents. But yeah, he had to go off, um, and there was a bit of a delay. Well, the Oxford fans were fairly, from what I've read today, were fairly uncomplimentary about our style of football and the way we approached the I game. Think that's Is fair that fair? Enough. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Okay. Enough. We'll come on to that. We'll come back to that <laughs> as, we, as the game goes on. Yeah, we managed the game well. Oh, okay. Let's, yeah. let's get to that. Well, half time then. So yeah, it was uh, it was nil nil, and um, doesn't sound like it was the most exciting half of football ever. But yeah, ru- ruined chances, I suppose. So again, from from everything I've read today, I think it was it was a bit a case a bit more of Oxford having a bit more of the game in the second half. Is that a fair reflection, Ollie? In in, in one way, but not another. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's just kind of just quickly run through this half. So not really a lot happened. So two minutes <laughs> in, there was a cheeky through ball for Laurent. Um, but the keeper managed to get the ball, and that was a really nice ball f- from Norburn. Um, and then a Super Bowl um, to Love from Goss, and then Love goes down very, very easily um, in the um, in the penalty area. Never a penalty. Um, I've put a comment here that you know in the second half I heard the first chant from the Oxford fans, which is quite funny. <laughs> I think that got uh, a cheer from the away fans as well. <laughs> yeah, they finally woke up, and then um, so, uh, so I was. See, using obviously on iFollow for those who use the service, you get BBC Shropshire. Um, and then there was an elephant sounding scream from the Oxford fans as the lady was getting quite exacerbated with um, Oxford's performance 
um, which was quite a shock. Did you see, I mean, I, I watched the, and Paul just said he came around and he's been watching the Celtic Rangers game today because you've got a bit of, I think you, was, you said Celtic, didn't you? Yes, one of your teams. yeah. But did, I watched it on Sky and there was, they must have put the microphone near someone who screamed all through the game. It was really, really annoying. Like, I was quite enjoying watching a game with no VAR and blood and thunder in it and really exciting kind of Scottish Scottish game. But the screaming was infuriating. I don't know if you caught that, Paul, but God, it was annoying. So yeah, it was, maybe it was a bit like that, Ollie. Yeah, potentially. I, I didn't. Yeah, it's it was a bit odd. It was a bit odd to say that. Um, and then yeah, there was kind of like a goalmouth scramble, really good block um, from E Blank from E Banks. And then I think it's fair to say that we started wasting time. We were a bit cheeky, <laughs> kicking the ball away from all goal kicks, um, wasting time a little bit. Um, and then we started to tire, and we kind of really didn't have much attacking threat as the game kind of ebbed on. Um, there was a good a good run from Williams, but that was about it really. Um, Adori came on and, yeah, the game kind of ebbed away then and Giles came on with five minutes to go, which is a bit of a waste of time. Um, I guess probably the, the best probably bit of football was a, a cross from one Oxford fullback to another um, and they had a chance to, to... But it was a comfortable save for O'Leary. Um, it was it was one of the, it was a bit of an odd game, really. First 15 minutes, town were really good um, and then Oxford kind of dominated the game. So in terms of passes, they had over... They had 555 passes, which is a, which is a lot. Wow. But... Paul, I think it's fair to say they didn't really do a lot with it, did they? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I've got some some stats here as well, Ollie, and oh. they they had sixty nine percent possession, Oxford. Oh my god! So uh, yeah, they had the absolutely the the lion's share of possession, but uh, didn't do didn't do a lot with it at all. No, we had more shots than them, Glenn. That's got to be the least amount of ball we've seen this season. That's even thirty one percent. That's lower than the standard sort of thirty nine percent we used to be yeah. moaning about. But that. That's not great, is it, to be fair? But yeah, it's good that we had more shots in them. But um, yeah, it does. It, I mean, I looked at, you know, we, you often, Ollie refers to XG pool quite a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something we've sort of talked about a lot in the podcast, isn't it? And I looked at the XG stats or the sort of the line diagram they do for Ollie. And it looked like someone's cardiogram had stopped working because it was just two very long, flat lines for right. a lot of the game. It just seemed like there was probably a good half half of that game, really, where there wasn't really any chances during that, that game. Is that fair, Paul? Absolutely. Oh God, yeah. terrible. Yeah, it was really odd. The, the, the XG was is, is yeah, it's the most. It's probably from Meaglin that you saw that. It was um, yeah, did in you? The Salad Cast account. Yeah, it was just like yeah, like it's like we started really well and then kind of died and they were dead until the sixty-five minute and then they kind of woke <laughs> up. It was a, it was an odd game and yeah, while um, it was quite a bit of a chore watching it back. Um, I think I made the right thing. I was suffering a little bit from Christmas party and stuff and the thought of going on the M forty again just kind of filled with dread I feel bad for Paul because we can run through this story for us now Paul but yeah you, you went to that game obviously having had a night out the night before so just run us through your day yesterday well uh, shall I start on Friday afternoon <laughs> go on then yeah. <laughs> so I had my uh, my work's Christmas party on Friday and we uh, we started with a, a few drinks in the office uh, around <laughs> four o'clock and um, I then got picked up by uh, by my friend around half past two and then uh, stayed, uh, stayed at her house on Friday night. Yeah. Um. Got got back to Shrewsbury at uh, at ten o'clock on uh, on Saturday. Straight down to Oxford in Oxford for about half twelve and had my first pint uh, of Saturday just after half past twelve. So, uh, yeah, that was two hours of drinking in the in the nice little bowling alley that they've got by the stadium yeah. there, which I think a few yeah. of the town fans go in. Um, so by the time that the, the match actually kicked off, uh, I'm surprised I can remember any of it. To be honest, I was going to say that then, Ollie. If I if I'd have done that, there's no, I I would have said that Norburn had the worst game of all time, and and <laughs> would have said that Luke Rogers should be dropped for the next game. I would have been all over the shop. So yeah, he's done, done a fair job there. 
Yeah, you had a good game, Ollie Norburn. To be fair. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, I don't know whether he's been listening to you, Glenn, and, and this podcast or what. But um, he yeah, called he me. A, actually... He called me a keyboard warrior last week, Ollie. He so... did. You are a keyboard warrior. He's right. Um, but yeah, he's fang, fang to rights. Yeah, he did. He, he, he burned you there. But um, yeah, it was it was it was an interesting. It was an interesting game from a tactical perspective. An interesting game for Shrewsbury in terms of a practice, in terms of locking a team out and a good team. Um, but as we keep saying all the season, you know. And um, why we are doing pretty well, we're having a decent season um, compared to last season. Mm. And we, as a as a fan base, as an entertainment industry, we think we want to see a bit more. And I don't know. I guess you'd hope to see a few more goals, Paul. And obviously, all the games that you go and see, and obviously particularly at home. Um, obviously, it's always nice to uh, to see goals when they're obviously when they're for town. Mm. But I'll, I'll be honest. I thought it was a really, really good away point. Yeah. Um, I mean the, the fact that, like you're saying earlier that Oxford are unbeaten in, in so many games um, I don't think they've been beaten at home since the middle of August am, am I right in saying that? Yeah Burton Burton in August was the last uh, the last game that they lost the last league defeat was the 7th of September um, and I, uh, my yeah, my little stat sheet here they've uh, they've scored 18 goals in 8 home games so wow. uh, uh, over 2 goals a game that- so that does say something about clean sheets as well. I, I saw again on, on, on sort of online today is that some of our clean sheets this season have been coming against those free scoring teams like Peterborough, Sunderland to a certain extent, mm-hmm. obviously Oxford today. And, and I think that is another sort of feather in the cap for the defence in that it is and it isn't because we're getting these shutouts when we absolutely block teams out. And when we try and we try and have free scoring games, we we can see loads of goals like Southend and Atkinson Stanley. So I think it's a it's a positive that the sense that we can defend really well. But I think there's a real issue we have in um, in our balance of of how attacking and defensive we are. Yeah, it, I think it's um, it's a really interesting comparison, isn't it? Because we're we're either one extreme or the other. We can mm. either do the the Bristol Rovers games in the South Ends where it's four three either way, or you get games <laughs> like this where it's where it's nil nil and both teams really cancel each other out. But um, one thing I was going to say is um, you said it's a feather in the cap for the defence. Um, I also think it's a real feather in the cap for the manager. Mm. Um, you know, you look back to Sunderland last year, where okay, we conceded a goal, but it was a really, really good away performance um, against a team who were flying high at the time, and we came away with a with a point. Um, and they were so frustrated that day as well. Yeah, it was yeah. very similar to, to the reaction from the Oxford fans yesterday, and again, similar story yesterday. And there's been so many, so many other games like Peterborough at home where. Where you look, where it's the team who are flying high. Sam has a game plan; they absolutely stick to it one hundred percent. And um, nine times out of ten, we come away with a result. Yeah. And the again, I, I was thinking back when I was at Oxford yesterday to the last time we went to Oxford um, under Mister Askey. I think it was just <laughs> over a year ago. Got gulped, didn't we? And the the difference between the two performances hmm. um, was was night and day. It really, really was. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that's very fair, Ollie, isn't it? That again, you listen to the podcast, Paul, and you've told me that before, and, and we're pretty common, we're pretty often complimenting the defence, and we don't doubt Sam Ricketts knows how to marshal a defence, run a defence, put a defence together, and keep it tight. I, I still think that a game like yesterday shows where the, the issues are in the attacking situations and trying to find that yes. balance between the two. But certainly, when you take another step back, Ollie, like Paul's just pointed out there, to compare it to what happened under Askey at Oxford and some of those other results, you know, say exactly a year ago, basically. To now, you can't say anything but that Ricketts has taken us forward. I suppose I think that's yeah. a fair comment. Yeah, no, I think that's probably quite a nice time for me to to build to bring in something that I've been working on. Um, so we're going to call it the the Danny Coin coefficient. Um, so we're stealing <laughs> with pride here, um, and we're taking um, from a West Ham fan 
um, a guy called um, guy called Benji, and he basically's done a, a coefficient where basically it's called the Uncle Jeff coefficient, what we're calling the Danny Coin coefficient. So essentially, what you do is you take all the results from last year. And you look at the results to this year. So say, for example, Luton. Luton, who got um, promoted and came first, they are replaced by Ipswich. So Ipswich's result is mirrored by, is basically matched by the Luton one. So obviously, um, the teams that we played last year, Plymouth, sorry, Plymouth, Portsmouth, Burton Albion, games like that, that would just be a direct match. Yeah. So yep. in terms of, so, so obviously we've got 25 points so far. And the exact same, the same kind of game so far this season. We'd only had 14 points last year, but now Jeez, we've got 25. Man. Now, interestingly, we scored a lot less goals. We only scored 16, where last year we scored 23. But we've only conceded 19, where this time last year we scored 32, including yeah. three away at Oxford, as, as Paul's alluded to. So I think it's fair to say, you know, in terms of season by season, we're definitely doing a lot better. Um, and yeah, I think that's where we get it's it's a fine line isn't it in terms of us doing the podcast where you know we're definitely making progress um but we are we would like to see a few more goals yeah we would and and the thing again this is in a way performance like paul's point out there that's where you would expect these attritional points to come from i suppose what we need to start seeing is them just getting comfortable victories at home to match it and that's and against lesser form. teams as well i yeah, think that's yeah. fair there's always work to be done, isn't there, for any team? So um, that's good. I mean, we've, you've talked a little bit about Oxford. You can, we'll move on to just talking about Oxford. But, I mean, they had most of the ball by the sounds of it. But, yeah, I guess you guys were surprised that they weren't quite as, as good as they might have expected them to be. But, well, Paul? Well, when you look at the, the players that they've got in the side and mm. um, the way the way that they've been playing, I think I mentioned earlier, James Henry's got 10 goals. Uh, the boy Foss, who's got eight. Matty Taylor... Um, has, has got seven and there's a lot of players they'd all be our played. top goal scorer absolutely yeah. <laughs> well double than, uh, yeah. than our top goal scorer aren't they yeah, sorry, and there's um, there's players in there who've played at a, a higher level and there's uh, there's players like uh, Rob Hall I think played right wing for them he, he looked, um, yeah, he looked like a good player yeah so they, they, they do have they do have a very very good squad they um, look like the team that'll be up there the rest of this year then do you think I think I think they'd be good value for the playoffs right. without okay. a doubt yeah. okay. interesting would, would you anything else to add to Oxford really Ollie yeah, I'll say obviously we haven't seen them any other games. I imagine that you've got a bit of a, a bit of a shooty town kind of nullified them. I'd probably say it probably wasn't their best game. I think one thing that I was surprised about them, as a team that's gonna try and be successful in League One needs to be a little bit I don't really like this phrase, but it kind of works here, man up a little bit. And they were very eager to dive, eager to whinge. Like they were even they were whinging for the ref to get fouls. And then when they when they then had a foul and the referee didn't play advantage, then they were whinging about that. So I think if they want to be successful, they need to be a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit tougher. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it was just because they were so frustrated by Shrewsbury's performance. Now, yes, we were doing a little bit of shithousery in terms of kicking the ball away and yep. being a little cheeky in those kind of sense. But we were pressing hard and tackling hard and they really didn't like it. And if they're going to be successful in this league... Um, you know, they'd like, like, say, for example, Luton last year. Luton could play some nice football, really a fast attacking team, but also they could kind of handle themselves. And I think that's something they probably need to work on. I don't know whether you had a different view to that, Paul. Um, not really, no. I think it was, again, an interesting comparison between the two teams. What you're saying about Oxford there, Ollie. Um, and I was just thinking how, how streetwise time were yesterday and what, Good. A, what a streetwise performance it was from us. I mean, I thought we managed the game really, really well. And you can use, you know, you can use different words for, <laughs> for game management. And, you know, the Oxford fans would certainly have a select few, I'm sure. But 
at the end of the day, the result was we came away with a clean sheet and a point. Yeah, yeah. And, and we weren't dirty. We weren't, you know, we weren't no. injuring them, and it wasn't be a lot worse. <laughs> Let's be but fair. But it, it, it was the it, it was the the time wasting, taking our time. I mean, I think Fajiri Okunabiri took two days to get off the pitch when he was <laughs> uh, when he we was when he was sub. Little things like that, which is which is good game management because the referee won't add all that time on at the end of the game. No. Less time for them to score, and we come away with a clean sheet and a point. It's good. So, it's good. Out of ten, Ollie, on the shit houseery scale, what would you put it down as? Um, well, if Wickham were a nine, um, <laughs> I would say yeah. It was a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a gentle four. It was, oh, like, that's it okay. wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't horrendous. We weren't like diving and you know rolling onto the pitch when we'd been off the pitch. It wasn't that kind we of didn't stuff. Cheat, it was just which a little bit of doesn't. kicking away. And, and to be fair, that's up for the referee sometimes as well to manage it. So I think it was, you know, if that was the opposition, I would have been a little bit miffed, but I wouldn't have been screaming blue murder. If it was only four, that's good. It gives us, it still gives us plenty of rope to shout yeah. other teams about so it. Later so this tonight we've introduced the Danny Coin coefficient, and the, <laughs> we've also in, in, introduced a rating for shithousery. <laughs> that's good. Well, to be fair, if you watch a League One team, you do need a shithousery rating. I think that's a yeah. fair thing. We might have to come up with a name for that as well. Um, we will. We'll, we'll think about it this week, Ollie. The Granderson um, rating, maybe. Do you get out of it? <laughs> it's Christmas. Let's not so, start this. Top um, three, I think. Yes, I was going to ask you guys. Yeah, your top three. So yeah, Paul, who did you have as your top three from yesterday? I had Ollie Norburn as number one yep. um, I thought that was exactly the sort of performance that um, that we need to be seeing on a regular basis from, Good. from Ollie Norbin and I know he's, he's coming for a lot of stick recently <laughs> um, but uh, I, I thought he was he was excellent and excellent for 90 minutes as well great um, some absolutely brilliant um, crossfield balls he was switching the play all the time and then when we when we had to Again, he was leading the charge. He was the one who was going and putting the challenges in, winning Fantastic. the ball back, and distributing it well. So he was um, he was my man of the match. Uh, in second place, um, this might seem a bit of an odd one um, because he's he's not had too much to do. I mean, yeah. they've, they've only had three shots on target, so maybe it is a bit of an odd one. <laughs> but um, Max O'Leary uh, for me, when your keeper comes away with a with a clean sheet, I think you always you always look towards um, towards your goalkeeper as someone who's, who's had a good game. And there were there were a couple of instances where he has needed to be on his toes, and he has he has pulled off um, he has pulled off a couple of good saves. Good, good. And I think it's just. Um, Again, maybe maybe a bit of recognition for for Max from me because I was absolutely baffled about a month ago when people were suggesting that Max O'Leary yeah. should have been dropped, and I know you guys were as well. Yeah. Um, I, I forget which game it was, but I was listening to Radio Shropshire on the way home, and there were people saying how um, how he was um, how he should be dropped because of his distribution, <laughs> and um, I just thought it was absolute nonsense. But one thing about his distribution as well, I don't know if you noticed this, Ollie, but there was a couple of times where he's got the ball in his hand and he's on the edge of his box, and he's uh, he's found Donald Love a couple of times, who's up near the halfway line, and I thought. Um, yeah, how, how Paul's his distribution mm, today, eh? Yeah, exactly, that's good. And number three then, wrap it up. Number three, uh, Ethan Ebanks-Landell. Sweet. Um, just, he's solid as a rock, isn't he's he? Great, every, yeah. every single time he plays. And um, what's, what's probably edged it um, for, for Ethan over the likes of Dave Edwards, who I thought had another really good game. Scott Goldborn, I thought, had a, had a decent game. In fact, the, the, whole, the whole team did. It was a really, really good, really good team performance. Um, what edged it for Ethan ahead of those was um, was the block that he did. I think it was just after half time, uh. where he's just got his whole body in the way, almost got down on the ground, and he's uh, he stopped them from getting another shot on target. So, uh, so yeah, that just edged it for me. I thought. Well, it was as, all game. as Paul Coyne is our, our starting centre back for the way supporters, it sounds like a Paul, Paul <laughs> Coyne esque um, block. By the way, let's not mention um, <laughs> my, my performance in the last game because <laughs> along with all, all of my teammates, it wasn't a great one, was it? I, I did mention on the podcast last week that we were not discussing what happened in yeah. West Brom. So let's. 
move on. Go on, Ollie, what about your top three? Yeah, I went for Ebanks first. Um, all, all, all the, everyone played really well, really. No one really criticised too much. Um, I think, yeah, Ebanks, they went for Ollie Norburn. He had a really, really good performance, um, like a good solid seven. Uh, maybe even an 8 out of, out of 10 in terms of he did really well. And then Love, um, he, he was again involved in the attacking play. Um, and yeah, I think it's right to call out um, O'Leary's distribution. Um, you know, he's a young kid on loan in League One. Like, the old guys grow up. Um, yeah, and I think he's definitely improving on that area. Um, and it's good to see that, um, yeah, the Beast is obviously working well, um, improving the goalkeeper. So yeah fair play and yeah a point away from home is quite good it's interesting what you're saying about Max being a, a young kid because you go back two years and I can remember people saying that Dean Henderson should be dropped for Craig McGillivray <laughs> now as good a keeper as Craig is at League <laughs> One level um, Dean for me was just far and away a, a, a better goalkeeper and he needed to start every single yeah. game for me which which he did and I think he's He's gone on to prove since that that was absolutely the right decision. And I think, um, I see no reason why Max O'Leary can't go on to, to have a similar sort of career to Dean. I could, I could certainly see him being a, a decent top-end championship goalkeeper in the future, if not playing in the Premier League. We've said that, I've said that anyway. I'm a big fan of, of Max O'Leary and there's certainly an opportunity for him to have a career and a progression after he leaves Town, similar to some of the other players we've had who've done well. So, yeah, ho- hopefully it happens for him. Um I'll, I'll just run through the Sam Ricketts comments, Ollie, if you want to wrap this game up and then yeah. we can just have, have a look at anything else we missed, really. But yeah, he, he came on the radio afterwards and said, uh, I thought we were well worth our point today. I thought for the first half we were by far the better team. Um, we had a few half chances and the keeper didn't have a save to make. We were there a couple of times where we had a few opportunities and I thought we were outstanding in the first half against the team. I think they're up there with some of the best teams in the league, so I'm really pleased. Um, followed that up with a couple of their players spoke to me after the game who I didn't know and they said what a good team we are and it's always good to respect the home side by saying things like that to come away from home to a team that hasn't lost in so many games is fantastic so yeah I think summarising you know really what what I think fans would have been feeling as they left the game there that it was a pleasing result really Ollie yeah it was a pleasing result Um, a good point on the way on the road and yeah we we move on to move on to another week good stuff and uh, yeah another week coming up so yeah we'll move on to sad news now we'll talk about the signings uh, which are unusual at this time of year and uh, some bits about the cup and a long chase for Fowler. Oh, he's got the better of Walton. He shouldn't have tried to do that, Walton. Fowler needs to put it back to McManaman. Well, he didn't need McManaman. So, sad up news. Uh, as we just said, a couple of, couple of things have happened this week. Uh, as I said, we don't normally have signings just before Christmas and the window opening. So, yeah, quite an interesting one to cover in a minute. But, yeah, first things first. Last week on, uh, what was it, 7.30 on Monday night, everyone was really excited, looking forward to us drawing Man City or Man United away or travelling to Liverpool. And uh, I was doing some painting in the back room, totally forgot the draw was happening, came to my phone and saw we drawn Bristol City and thought I didn't really miss anything. So, um, not the ideal draw, that one, Ollie, in some respects. No, and the thing that I love the most is that all the Shrewsbury fans are saying it's really crap um, result, crap crap draw, and all the Oxford, um, lot a lot of Oxford, sorry, lots of Bristol City fans got their knickers in a twist, saying, "How dare Shrewsbury say that we're a rubbish tie? God, you're an <laughs> average crap championship team, like who've got no history. Like it's not a, it's not like we're going to Leeds or Nottingham Forest or no. yeah, as you say, you know, going to Spurs is." brand new ground or going to get millions by going to Old Trafford it's a it's pretty I'll probably go actually because I'm, I'm going to go actually, never actually been but yeah I just thought it was quite funny um, how they were yeah they got their knickers in a twist did, I mean I'll ask Paul did you go to that pre-season game last year I did actually yeah. yeah I did as well yeah, yeah. so you, you've been there and seen Charles Cook play there so it can't be any worse than that can it <laughs> 
No, and um, the, the one thing that stood out for me that game, and I've always remembered it since, was the fact that uh, our new manager didn't even bother coming across to applaud the fans. <laughs> oh, didn't, that's not didn't, that. didn't even acknowledge us that day. And I thought, uh, yeah, I thought, come on, mate, you're going to have to do a bit better than that when the when the season starts. But uh, he certainly didn't, did he? No, he didn't. No, and, and yeah, say I've been to the ground unlike you, Ollie, and obviously Paul has as well. But I'll still go because I, I absolutely love the FA Cup, as I've said all, all this season, and. You know, let's let's try and be positive. I mean, there, there's a potential they might rest a few players and not take it as seriously. And with our defensive record, you you'd back us to go there and potentially keep keep it clean. So, um, I've actually spoken to a, a Bristol City uh, supporting friend of mine, and okay. he he reckons they'll rest about half the side for this game. Great, maybe maybe underestimating us. Yeah, but, um, I don't think the FA have done us any favours by putting it on at twelve thirty either. Have they? Yes, yeah, so uh, it's been moved. Strange one. It's been moved so the Grenadians can watch us on international TV coverage, hasn't Ollie? Yeah, it's been another <laughs> one. It's, it's like yeah, the midday game is not great. Like in some Crap. ways, it's it's rubbish. You got to get there early, but I'm kind of I do like starting early. You know, I do start work early, for example. So you kind of do get you you get most of your afternoon back afterwards. But yep. yeah, but for for those who've got to travel a bit of distance, um, it does kind of yeah, it does mess you up a little bit. Ruins our chances of having an away sports game in the morning as well, so that's gone mm. out the window unfortunately. But we won't oh, lose at least. So yeah, well, shut up. Um, yeah, so that's it, Bristol City. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Obviously, the other thing just to say on that is we won't obviously have Max O'Leary. You'd assume they won't let him play against his own uh, lone team. So Murphy will be getting a going goal as well. So yeah, interesting one to keep an eye on. I'd say it's a it's a few weeks till the game, but. Not the exciting draw we were after, but something that was quite exciting, I think, that dropped sort of... I think it happened just before we played Man City in the Czech trade this week. Well, I know it's not the Czech trade, but yeah, it, they announced a signing, which was um, Usamain Fa... Okay, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Announced the signing of Usamain Fane, uh, the 25-year-old tough-tackling defensive central midfielder. Almost certainly mispronouncing his name every time I say it, Ollie, this season. Yeah, I think it's fair to say you didn't get that one wrong. Um, <laughs> I did um, ask... Um, yeah, friends of the pod, so Gabriel Sutton. Um, and he said, yeah, he's a very aggressive midfielder who gets his fair share of cards. Oh, really? Yeah, well, he was at Oldham uh, up until the end of last season. Um, and, yeah, he's had a bad injury that made him miss all of that season, essentially. So he, he was playing for them regularly. And, and I think he got sent off against us a couple of seasons ago as well for, for pushing someone over and getting a yellow card. But, um, yeah, we've signed him uh, to the end of this season and we've also got a 12-month extension. And he's only 25, so there's obviously a bit of a player there and, and potentially is that replacement for maybe Grant that we've sort of not had this season. Um, we've obviously got about a million midfielders, but none of them have ever been that real, you know, my main role is to be a central defensive midfielder, which is what Norburn's been doing but um, and what Goss has been doing as well, I suppose. But I, I think they're very di- he's a different type of player to Goss and Norburn, isn't he, by the sounds of it, Paul? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail mm. on the head there, Glenn. I think he's... Um come in to fill that uh, that hole that's been left by Anthony Grant yeah. in the squad I mean we don't necessarily play with that no. uh, with that type of player but sometimes it is necessary to have someone in the team who can um, who can fill that position so I presume that's exactly what uh, what the signings um what the signing's been done for. And Ollie, a bit like Goldborn in some respects in the January window last year that hadn't had a club for that first period of the season and obviously we saw with Goldborn it took him a while to get up to speed, didn't it, last year? And obviously he's showing us a, a different side of his game now. So you expect that if he's going to get into the team now it's going to be bit parts and he's not going to probably be showing us our best until towards the end of the season where he'll be trying to earn that other contract. Yeah, I'm a bit puzzled by this signing to be honest. Oh, are you? Okay. Um, yeah, we play with three central defenders but I don't <laughs> see why we need a real sitter. That's, that's super defensive. Yeah, he hasn't got the pedigree of Goldborn, so I can see why you make that link. But he hasn't got the same; he hasn't had the same career as. Let's talk about fitness, really. On yeah, that. I just I don't know. It just seemed a bit. Oh, we've got loads of midfielders. That means that Walker's going to be even further away from the first team potentially. Oh dear, uh, that's a good so point. 
I don't know, I just find it a bit odd. So, you know, he might turn out to be, you know, an absolutely stormer of a sign-in. Um, so, you know, he might be a bit... For me, it's just... I'm just a bit puzzled. I'm still puzzled from when it, when yeah. it got announced. One of the things I saw knocking around was, you know... And again, a lot of people were puzzled, I think, in terms of do we do we really need another central midfielder? And is, is it an indication, really, that maybe there's a sniff that one of our central midfielders might be off in January and this is a, a little bit of cover to get involved early? I don't know. Maybe that could be... I can think of one or two that might be tempted by bids at this moment in time and, and are out of contract and Shrewsbury could cash in. So I don't know, maybe it's one of those ones, Paul, that's sort of trying to trying to stave off some problems down the line. But Quite possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. But anyway, he's in. And uh, as I say, he's got three red cards and he's never scored. So that sounds fantastic, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, there we go. Uh, in terms of, of news, really, that was it, Ollie. We were just going to update on a, a bit that we launched last week, which was... We were we were sort of trying to look at team of the decade ourselves, really, um, in terms of putting out a, a sort of fan survey. But we've actually been working with the football club this week, Ollie, haven't we? In terms of of been in and had a chat with them and through Brian and, and Ian and the media team, and the the football club are going to work with Blue and Amber, Southcast, and the Sports Parliament to put out a more detailed, wide ranging, and, and hopefully more responded to team of the decade survey. And I think you know, as much as it was good work we were trying to do I think it's it's good for everybody to be on the same page with that Ollie and, and let's get a real good feel for what people think about our first last 10 years yeah no it's a really good one and it's a good piece of work um, that you're doing there so yeah it'll be fun to see everyone kind of yeah share their contributions and and Paul as someone who's seen our you know I've given him because given him a heads up of what we're looking at but you've been looking at your team of the decade is there any any surprises in there do you think um, uh, well, be surprised for you that Jermaine Grandis well, is not in there. We've, right? been, we've been through there, yeah. But yeah, it's it's. it's it, I mean, just for other people who start looking at it when the survey comes out, it is interesting when you think back ten years. There's some players that people would automatically think I'll put in there, forgetting they didn't play. <laughs> they were playing in 2007, 2009. When you narrow that down, it is much of yeah. less of a pick, isn't and it? I, th- I thought the lists that um, that you put out on the spreadsheet were really interesting as well because it um, it just makes you realise how. Um, I mean, strikers, for example. I've got one striker which I think is an absolute um, obvious one. Yeah. And then um, I was I was trying to find another striker to play in the four four two, and I just couldn't pinpoint that um, that that striker who could play with um, play with the other one. That's why I said to you, yeah. can your number ten be a be a central <laughs> attacking midfielder? You could yeah. Why Whereas like, you've got players you've got players like Andy Mangan who had a, a really good impact for a short period of time. Um, John Louis Akparakpro, who scored important goals. Kai Kai. Um, Kai Kai, yeah, 12 goals mm-hmm. in, um, what was it, 20 games or something like that? But none of it's outstanding. Like, Collins had a good record for us. Collins and, and is a lot of people pick him. But, yeah. yeah, when you look at the last 10 years of strikers, it's a bit. that's going to be the toughest spot, I think, Ollie. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've, 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 I'm purposely left this one. I'm going to have a good look, proper go at who my good team's man. going to be. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing people's um, choices. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some trends. Um, but yeah, yeah because yeah. I'm sure there'll be some wild choices as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we should just say, we, I think we briefly mentioned it, but we will be using the the contents of that for a special podcast on it and interviewing some special people for that, which is good. Yeah. So, and there is there is something else going on at the moment, isn't there? Really, you don't want to talk too much about. No, we've got a very special podcast in, in the pipeline. <laughs> it is very special. Let's leave it at that, Ollie, and leave people to wonder what's going on. Um, We'll wrap this podcast up then with some predictions. And you you did well again last week, Ollie. You slowly narrowed that big gap that we had at the start of the season. Yeah. What's the score, Glenn? It's 10-8 now. Yeah. Within a victory, you're going ahead. Exactly. So, yeah, you went for a 2-0 a, a and win to Oxford. Boo <laughs> to Glenn. And I went for a one or draw. So it wasn't exactly right, but uh, no. I got the result right. So... Yeah, I guess it's nice to predict our, our next game, and it's hopefully we get this one right this week. Yeah, Coventry at home, isn't it? Next Saturday is the is the next game. Um, 
So yeah, in, in, in terms of the ones we're going to predict, but yeah, it's a, an interesting game because they're another team a bit like Oxford who are having a decent season, aren't they? Um, against all the odds, really, considering they're playing in Birmingham every bloody week, which I'm pretty surprised with. But um, sometimes that can be a galvanising factor, can't it, Paul? So, I, you know, I, what, let's start with you, I suppose. What do you what do you make of next weekend? What are your expectations, thoughts about the game? Um, I'll be honest, I always go into every game thinking, uh, <laughs> thinking we can get a win, uh, particularly at home. But uh, let's be honest, it's either going to be 4-3 or a draw, isn't it? <laughs> 4-3 or 0-0. Nil, nil. There you go, they're the two results to pick from. So go on then, we, we always ask a guest for a score prediction, so what do you think next weekend? After I've said that, I, um, <laughs> honestly, my my head my head's saying 2-1 town. Yeah. Um, sorry, my heart's saying two-one time, but my head's probably saying a, a one-one draw. Okay, well, it's a, it's a fairly good, good, good pick. One-one, isn't it? With binary issues between sometimes. So I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling quite confident. I think we went away to Coventry at the end of last year, and obviously they're a different team there. But we we had a good performance at their place, you know, against somewhat similar players. Um, and I, I am still feeling like this season we are going to put a really good home result in, and we are going to put someone to bed. So I'm going to maybe think it's this weekend. I'm going to go for us to win. 2-0, Ollie. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, the results, it's funny you say binary. Um, their <laughs> um, last um, um, three games, um, including an FA Cup um, game, are all, um, were all all three of them were one or draws. Oh, okay. Uh, so Paul's quite close there. Um, I think that we're going we're gonna to get something, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Shrewsbury Town. Good stuff, good stuff. That'll put us back up towards the playoffs again then, won't it? So, good, good. Right, it's going to be a fun week this week, I think. Everyone getting ready for Christmas. And then I think sort of, by the 14th, you, always, you have some people already finishing work, really, by the 14th, if you have that extra week off. So, you kind of get that party atmosphere. So, hopefully, it's a good crowd, because it's um, been down a couple of times this season. But... I'll just say, I suppose, thank you for Paul for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Good man. You're more than welcome to come back on later in the season. Thank and, you. Uh, you might be part of our, our one of our specials down the line as well. So we'll, we'll see how we get on with that. And look forward to it. Yeah, good man. And uh, yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's uh, time to say goodbye to everyone, Ollie. Cool. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Paul for joining us. And um, yeah, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And yeah, hopefully we can get something next week at home to Coventry. Good stuff. Catch you next week. Oh!